This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee. Brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Good morning, sports fans from Indianapolis, Indiana, from the world's greatest race course. This. This is a rite of passage. This is lore. Passed down from generation to generation. Even those stories you can't remember are moments you never forget. This is where heroes become legends, and legends become legendary. From Ray Haroon to Mario Andretti and Marcus Erickson, this story takes a whole month to tell. You just don't know what indie means. This is a special blend of speed, tradition, and magic. This is blood, sweat, tears, and maybe a few beers. But it's much more. So much more. This is world-class and worldwide. Hoosier hospitality on a global stage. This is the Indy 500. But you've never seen this 500. This is May. Hey there, welcome Trackside 93.5-1075, the fan in Indianapolis as we continue to celebrate the run-up to the 107th Indianapolis 500 with programs every night throughout the month of May for an hour. And then beyond the bricks, don't forget, uh, looking at the history of the Indianapolis 500 in Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Jake Query and Mike Thompson after we're done from 8 until 9. They have a podcast, so just look up Beyond the Bricks on itunes spotify the usual outlets you can find as well so that is there and available just like our program um do the review that says this is a fantastic program i suspect that probably helps somewhere to make sure that we get to continue presenting this program weekly throughout the year and nightly in the month of may my name is kevin lee you know kurt cabin you also hopefully know eddie garrison he's in charge of things in our studio in downtown Indianapolis, a lot of things to get into tonight. Uh, some some fun topics that Kurt has come up with us for us to get into. I promised last night, though, Kurt, because we always, well, some of us, one of us, always rambles too long, and we run out of time to get to the Twitter questions. So I said we're going to start with Twitter questions tonight. So I'm going back in no well, I'm, the particular order is just in the order that they were received over the weekend, especially if you use the hashtag trackside. Uh, so I just want to get into it before we get into some some news of the day and so forth. Vincent1701 sent something to both of us and said, please make this mandatory for all Indy cars. No question who the driver is. And it just circles showing power, what you can see from the onboard looking out for Will Power's car. So I, I'm torn on that because, yes, ideally, I would like that. But I also know that is primo sponsor space. And that's worth a lot of money. So I'm, you know, it's kind of like the same argument we've had over the rear wing. Ideally, you'd have names on rear wings, but that's really good space too for your partners. 
Agreed. Good evening, by the way. And Hello. it's um yeah, it's that area on the arrow screen just above the driver's head. Uh, it was used for some some drivers used or teams used it for driver names. Some of them used it for messages. For example, Renus VK celebrated his 50th start in the series over the weekend. And so they the team used it as such. Uh, but again, valuable real estate. Some teams will use it for their you know play purposes and sometimes it's business. Uh, from, oh, I can't believe I missed this. It should have gone to the top. The plural of moose is moose from E. Hirschberger. What happened to the green tires? I thought I heard that all street and road courses would run those instead of the reds. Ah, it's all street courses, right? That was that was the plan. So nothing has changed from the plan. Correct. Just street courses. The road courses will be red and, and we're red at Barber. And that's the plan for this year. Obviously, that I suppose it could change to add road courses later in the year, but I doubt it uh, because you've still got several more times. What other street races do we have? Detroit, Detroit and Toronto. Detroit and Toronto will have and them. Nashville. And, and Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. yeah, which works out great. That's in the hometown of Bridgestone Firestone. So no, no, no change on that. All is go- going according to plan, and I've not heard – any big issues, you know, I think there are probably some that still feel like there's just a slight difference in the way that you set up the car, but that's not even on full agreement. I, others will tell you, yeah, it's the alternate tire. It's no different than the red sidewall tire. Uh, also, the plural of moose is moose asked this. Christian Lungard is really outperforming his Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing team is this the kind of performance that lands him a team upgrade next year i think i might have answered that one last night but we can do it quickly here my belief is that he is not out of contract after the year Uh, i got the impression now there are always options and there are always outs and there's some vagaries there but i don't believe he is a free agent after this season yeah that's my understanding too uh, and they would obviously want to do everything they could to keep him anyway. He's done a terrific job, and and I can't say I'm surprised because I heard he was fast, but he's 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 really performed well. And he has outperformed his teammates. And something to keep in mind, you know, I was kind of chatting with people, hey, why is one so different than the other? Just because it's the same team, it's not necessarily the same car. They're individual engineers, and yes, they all confer and share information, But the individual engineer on that car and the driver get to decide which direction they are going to go. And I think I'd be doing a deep rethink if I was engineering the Jack Harvey and Graham Rahal cars and saying whatever they're doing is maybe something we should be doing. I know Lungard's fast. He's he's really talented. uh, But no one knows other than that team. But it is possible that... Maybe they're doing something a little more conservative. Maybe they're not trying as much for the home run in in that car, and that's why it's going better. But it's something to watch moving forward because it is working. It's not like it's working great, but it certainly worked better this weekend because ooh, it has been rough going for Graham Rahal and Jack Harvey in terms of pace. They've got the one result from Graham at St. Pete where he finished whatever fifth or sixth, but that was just simply because everybody crashed. Graham would admit that. I think they've only had one qualifying session between those two cars better than 19th on the grid, and that was 15th of Jack Harvey. Look, yeah. 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 One one better than 19th. And it did not go well 
uh, for my understanding at the test at the Speedway. You know, forget about the speed charts. It's just talking to people. And, you know, remember, they weren't very good last year at Indianapolis uh, on the Oval, and it wasn't fantastic to start. So luckily for them, they do get time to rethink. And, and here's the challenge. You know, it's we we made a big deal about them shuffling some things in the engineering room, and they brought in someone who's very well regarded from the Formula One world. But if your deficiency is oval racing, <laughs> uh, bring in someone that's never worked in oval race before probably isn't going to net you instant turnaround on the ovals. He's going to bring in some new philosophies, and I would believe that someone like Stefano Sordo is going to get it figured out, but year one? Eh, maybe not. You're going to need to rely on Eddie Jones and Alan McDonald and the others from what, and that's the group that's been there to get things sorted. So hopefully they do get things sorted in the near time. Paul Henry, GeForce Paul says, yo, Kevin with six laps to go. Hinchtown noted push to pass power left for power. He mentioned that Wiley Scallywag power. Did he just play the word game on air? I'm not aware of uh, Hinch being in the word game, but you never know. You never know. These creative types like to do things like that to entertain themselves. I think Hinch is just generally creative and likes to come up with different things, but it's possible. And being if it's a real game, he wouldn't tell me about it. Are you in the game? I am not in the game. <laughs> I am not in the game. I end up being a participant in the game because I am the conduit yeah, of yeah. such words. And there were there were some creative words going on this weekend as well uh that's where mclaughlin was going i think so i'd have to go back and listen to that interview the one where he i asked him about his gesture but i think it his first answer had something to do along with that of being happy um i forget what it was yeah I do too. yes it's it's definitely still uh going on all right so now i gotta scroll through a lot of things that are not relevant to find some other questions that we've received. Doug Thompson points out, if you have a smart TV, the CW app is free. Uh, I think I mentioned that last night. The Speedway Gay says, kudos to Firestone. The Road Street tire options have been evenly matched so far in the past. The advantage of one was so big, the preferred choice was obvious. This year, it's come down to strategy and driver ability to manage tire performance. Agree? Disagree? Question mark. Agree. I mean, yep. I, I think we've we've seen that. And, you know, even there were some moments in the barber race where teams, I you know, maybe it's a, not exactly the point of this conversation, but where Joseph Newgarden, for example, went with used reds late, um, where I would have thought blacks might have been the choice. But we'll uh, we'll have to keep this one, you know, on watch. Jeff Hildebrand 29 says, thanks to you both for being great ambassadors of the sport that I love. What was your first memory of seeing the Indy 500 on TV? Mine was 1980. The yellow submarine was mesmerizing. What was the first race you attended and who was the first driver you met? Mine was 82, Cleveland and Mears. So to, the part about the TV is a little bit skewed for me because I've watched, I thought about this. I've watched so many, you know, YouTube clips and yeah. full races I don't remember which one was was what I watched and which one I just sort of have convinced myself that was my first one that I watch. Now I was on the property as a as a student as a lot of elementary students are in Indiana 
Uh, I was on the property as a student, probably, you know, second or third grade. Um, I remember going to qualifying as in high school. And I mean, I didn't live in Indianapolis as you did. Uh, so it was a little bit more of an effort. The first Indy 500 that I attended was 1984 because I was a freshman at Franklin College, received tickets and and saw the 84 race. That's the first one I, I attended. And I've seen all of them since except 96 when I was covering the U.S. 500 at Michigan uh, that day. I was at Indy all month, but then went to Michigan for the U.S. 500 coverage with the Indianapolis Star. Um so yeah, I I don't know that I can remember the first one. The first the first two drivers that I spent any time with uh were Tom Sneva and Steve Chassis of all two people. Interesting pair. Uh in fact, somehow I ended up with a hat that has has the signatures on it of Steve Chassis and Rick Mears. Still have that hat. So, it's also difficult for me to remember watching it for the first time because in Indianapolis, it wasn't live on television until I think 1988, 86. So my memories, oh yeah, 86, yeah. 86 no, I, I on TV, right. 86. Jim Lampley did the first couple of years, and then Paul Page took over on TV in 88. So I listened to it on the radio live and probably watched it much of the time in the evening. But my memories are from the radio, and I think I remember 77, barely, barely, and. Uh, I have a I have a recollection of Foyt winning, so that would have had to have been seventy seven, just as a teeny teeny tyke uh, out in the backyard as we always listen. And then I have no idea when I watched it for the first time. And while I did live here, we didn't go to the track. My dad did not like crowds, and I was not available. I played baseball up through my senior year in high school, so I had no time. I'm not going to the I'm, I'm got baseball after school every day, uh, Saturdays. Sunday, I potentially could have been available, but the first time I would have went was actually to visit the radio uh, broadcast people and met Paul Page and Bob Jenkins and people like that in uh, whatever, when I was a junior in high school, junior or senior in high school. And I'm a different type. I was a fan of the radio broadcast in the 500, but I fell in love with the sport after I was assigned to work the sport. So I'm not going to tell you that uh, now, Johnny Rutherford was my guy when I was a little kid, in part because he was winning a lot. And I remember 1980 and so forth. But I was not a super hardcore race fan. I was a baseball and a football and a basketball fan and loved the Indy 500 and loved the Indy 500 broadcast. So then I got more involved. In his, and, and that's what I always say, too, that there are a lot of there are a lot of people that do what I do that are similar, that did not follow motorsport, got into it. Bob Varsha is one. And similar path. His kid drove race cars. You know, Rick Allen was not a racing guy uh, growing up. Eli Gold, one of the voices of NASCAR, was not involved in motorsport. But you get introduced to it and you decide, I, I actually like this sport more than the other sports. I want to make this my career. And even when you're not covering it, you're still following it. First driver. So this would be when I was working as an intern, uh, would have been probably the Friday night before qualifying. And Stan Fox drew, at least this is my recollection. I, I remember I was told to go find Stan Fox. And I think it's because he drew the first qualifying spot for the next day. So I'm walking through the garage and 
I have no idea what Stan Fox looks like. So this is my first day as an intern at WIBC, and I'm not a racing guy. You know, I know who Mario Andretti is and AJ Foyt and, and people like that. And I will walk up to, was he with Hemelgarn at the time? Probably. Probably. Yeah, so I'm, I come to the garage, and uh, you know I'm just hoping this is six fifteen, six thirty at night, six forty five uh, after practice is done. And I'm hoping to find somebody wearing a race suit that says Stan Fox on his belt. Don't see anybody. Guy comes up, hey, can I help you? Oh no, trying to play it off like I know what I'm doing. I'll find him, and still not seeing anyone. Still looking around, and he's just standing there. You sure? Can I help you? Well, I'm trying to find Stan Fox. That's me, <laughs> nicest guy in the world. And you know, so we do the interview, and I get the sound bites to turn in. And so that's my first memory, and, and ended up having a really good relationship with Stan, and spent a lot of time with him until, unfortunately, he was injured. And then, you know, we spent some more time with him when he came back, and until he uh, lost his life. But yeah, those are my stories, uh, and I, I'm glad that Jeff shared his. Everybody has their own story of of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, what is next? Answered that one last night. Patrick Stankus. Curious if HMD moves up to IndyCar next season. Will it be through a sale of Dale Coin Racing, or it will be an entirely new team? Well, it'd be a new. I, I don't see Dale Coin selling out at this point. Now, I've not asked Dale Coin about that, but my opinion is, I believe Henry Malukas, uh, somewhat independent of his son has the idea of eventually branching out on his own. So that's my thought. It would just be an extra team if that does indeed happen. So I don't I don't know about how uh, David Malukas factors into the future of HMD in the IndyCar series, but I can tell you that HMD is made, and we've talked about this to some degree, HMD is 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 developing a facility, if you will. It used to be a big grocery center, grocery store uh, in Brownsburg, but they are converting it. Uh, and maybe I haven't been out there uh, since they got started, so they may be further along than I realized. But they're going to have plenty of space, and Henry has the wherewithal to make this happen. I'm told he's already sorted down the road with with some aspects of the IndyCar potential. And, you know, he's got people and he's got a kind of a process with with uh, Indy Next in place. So, again, I don't know how it factors in with David being part of the future, but I would expect at some point, maybe not 2024, maybe in 24, but down the road, I expect HMD to be an IndyCar program. So David has specifically told me, and I think Henry has told me this, but I've spent more time with David. He is not tied to his dad's team. And, you know, the family uh, obviously wants what's best for David Malukas as the driver. You know, to say the team was formed to support David is probably not fully accurate because his dad had a passion for motorsport and had done some club racing as well. Uh, I gather that this has worked concurrently, that Henry has loved the idea of being involved in motorsport, especially as his trucking business continued to grow and the funds became there. And it also becomes, you know, a bit of a branding opportunity for HMD as the primary sponsor. So he's had this idea and then it worked out that it also helps support his son. And at one point, his son, I think we told this, well, I guess I told this story in the Indy next broadcast, um, how, 
Toby Sowery was back running with HMD. He was with them as David's teammate when it was run by BN Racing and Pelfrey and eventually Henry just said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I think we we can get this done and it became HMD. So it kind of just grew from that. Uh, but for example, I could tell last year, and I, I don't know what the contract was, but David was really interested when people were talking about him as a potential replacement at Ganassi. Uh, I don't know what his contractual status is for this year or not, but I will say this with confidence. David Malukas is listening to teams like Andretti and Ganassi and others. And I think you're going to put Meyer Shank and potentially Ray, all of them, all of them are at least going to consider, consider the likes of David Malukas. Now he, he, he might also decide, you know what? I'm better off being the anchor of the family team where I have some control over things and I know I can quote, be the number one driver. Maybe he decides that that's best to stay with coin or move on with HMD and his dad's program. But my guess is that if Andretti or Ganassi and potentially others, but certainly those two, if they offer a ride that does not require Henry Malukas and HMD providing the budget, then that's going to be a no-brainer. And then, as Henry Malukas starts a team, he could bring get a funded driver, a young driver that has backing to help pay for some of that, and then he could hire a veteran driver in a second car. I, I would just say that that my take on it, and you've been a little closer to these two individuals than I have, just because of, of well, a lot of factors. Anyway... I, I see it a very s- similar situation to Graham Rahal in that there 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 would be no reason that those two couldn't David and Henry couldn't continue together. But if the opportunity for a really high level ride came up, he would go and take it just as Graham did, and mm-hmm. and they could always come back. Um, so I, I see some similarities. Let's put it that way. And by the way, if I'm Dale Coyne. I'm doing whatever I can to continue that relationship because basically that provides the funding for one of his cars and provides a good young talented driver. So, you know, maybe they can be convinced that um that this can continue. But Dale is a survivor. You know, he doesn't have Vassar Sullivan anymore. Boom. In steps Henry Malukas, uh, in steps Rick Ware. So Dale gets things done, and if they move on, he'll figure something else out and continue to provide quality cars at the best budget. You know, it's kind of the best bang for the budget you're going to find in IndyCar uh, to run with Dale Coin Racing. That's why it's such a great starting spot for young drivers. They're good with young drivers, and the asking price is not as high as it is with some other programs. From Paul at... E-K-D-O-D-I Mead. Herta is below par in 23. Was his head turned by F1 in the summer, and is he not as engaged with IndyCar as before, or is the switch of his dad from pit wall not working, or is it something else? I think it's one of the big mysteries of the season. Uh, I can't answer that because, you know, it's it's difficult to read Colton sometimes. Uh, you may have some thoughts, but I think it's one of the, the real uh, – curious things of of 2023 well when, when you look at you know i kind of thought about this today thinking of some potential questions before i went and sat down with the 100 days to indie guys about you know who's been the biggest surprise who's been the biggest disappointment and when you just look at results 
you know, Herta goes in that other category. You're thinking, all right, this might be the year to to take a big step up. Remember, if he wants to get to Formula One to guarantee it, he needs to be top three in the championship. And already at this point, he's only 45 points back, but he's 10th to start the season. He has finishes of 20th, 7th, 4th, and 14th. So you look at performance, uh, cross off St. Pete. He qualified second, and he was, as he said, bumped off by power. In that one, Texas, okay, finished seventh in that race, led really late. I'd say they're okay. And at Long Beach, I would say they were good, finished fourth and had a strong car. Barbara was the first one where they were really just meh. So I would not, I would not say that Herta is distracted. I, I look more at pace of the car. Are you in the mix? And in three of the four races, I feel like he has been a player and a contender going into race day. I, I think. Colton is pretty smart. Yes, he's interested in Formula One, but he's fine. His dream was to be an IndyCar driver. Anything beyond that is just going to be a bonus and going to be logical. Is Yeah, if somebody wants to uh, pay me a whole bunch of money and let me drive Formula One for a few years, then I'll do it. By the way, he's being paid like a Formula One driver. Uh, so he's good. He's good. And he's not going anywhere next year. Uh, I do not believe there is any path for Andretti to be in Formula One next year. The earliest case scenario is 2025, so I don't think Colton Herta is distracted, and it won't shock me to see him still win two or three races this season. Agreed, and it could start next week or with the uh, GMR Grand Prix, a race he won last year, and he should have won the fall race as well or the late summer race because he was he was controlling that race when uh, he had a mechanical issue and and – his teammate, Alexander Rossi, passed him and won the race. Charlie Smith asks, following up uh, last night's discussion, he actually wrote this yesterday, I assume no rule changes in regards to cooling the cars have been made since the previous LCQ in 21. I remember blowers and removing cowling being the only thing allowed without changes. The best run was always the first run. So I did mention that. I do not know if any changes are allowed or what can be done. I've already made some notes in our next competition call where I'm going to ask some things about the 500. One of the things I'm going to ask is the snake still going to be allowed? I suspect it is. The last I heard, they're like, eh, I'm not sure that we can really outlaw that or what we can do, but that's on my list. So I will add that to the list to see if there are any things that will be changed to help that. They've helped that from the, the top 12, putting a little break between the first and the second run. Um, but yes, otherwise you, as I said the other night, you need to get it right the first time. This just protects you in case something really bad goes wrong. But it's going to be difficult to go faster than your optimal speed in your second run. Yep. Agreed. And from there, we I have many more questions. So we'll continue to effort to break this down. But some other things we need to get into. And then we'll try to get back to Twitter. And uh, some silly season stuff in there. Something on Racer.com that goes into some of the things that we've talked about. And we'll see what else is out there and whether we agree or disagree. That and more all coming up. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. This is Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
Circle City Raceway is back with a new clay racing surface. The Circle City Raceway Friday night at the dirt track is this Friday. 410 Steel Block Sprints, UMP Modifieds, Ford Crown Vicks, Super Stocks, and Pure Stocks. Tickets just $15 for ages 13 to 64, 12 and under free. Military, first responders, vets, seniors, teachers, 12 bucks. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds, CircleCityRaceway.com brings us our news of the day and i'll make it this kurt uh, i saw on social media today that two-time indianapolis 500 winner juan pablo montoya is coming back to the brickyard not an indycar not a 35th entry unfortunately but he'll be at indianapolis for the imsa weathertech sports car championship race coming up in september and others starting uh road course weekend gp weekend when IMSA is in Monterey at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca in Rick Ware's LMP2 program. So that's what he's been doing sometimes with his son over the, I guess, last year and maybe the year before as well. He'll be in that car for that event and also at Road America and the Brickyard in September. Uh, he'll be teamed with Eric Lux in those races so these are the sprint races they're not endurance races so they're only two drivers per car in that one so good to see montoya back in business and maybe that sets up the opportunity for his to team with his son at some endurance races later in the year as well yep yep it's good to see those sons starting to migrate up through the path too uh we did we talk about uh nick giafoni uh winning a race over the weekend at barber which was fun to see son of felipe I talked about that after he won at Sebring previously and then told the old, this is this is the kid. You remember when Felipe Giafoni got a call from A.J. Foyt to come and bump Ari Jr. out of the race? Yeah. He was at uh, Babies R Us. Well, that baby was his son, uh, Nicholas Giafoni, who is now, well, I think maybe he's won, two, he's, he's won several times in USF Juniors. And I think he leads the championship there. So, yep, cool story in that. All right. So I said we were going to look into some other things. But you know what? I promised tweets. So let's just do that. Let's continue tweets. And then some of the other things that we had on the table to discuss, we'll either get to at the end or we'll save for tomorrow night because I think we have some good Twitter, Twitter questions. Feel free to send them in. We'd love to see your questions and comments at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. I think this is a good question from Jason Wade at Boiler underscore J Wade. Will we see a winner from outside the big four teams this year? He has quote big four teams. How about a top 10 points finish for anyone outside the big four? So let's start with the fact of identifying the top four Penske, Ganassi, Arrow, McLaren, and Andretti. And I was doing the math between those four teams. Not only do they represent what eight, 9, 10, 11, 14 cars. 12 of them have won races in this series. They have five, uh, six Indianapolis 500 victories and all told 158 race wins in this series. There ain't a lot of people winning races besides those people anyway. So, you know, you can go down through the list. Yes, there's some other drivers who have won races who were on other teams, but it's not likely. I mean, it's not likely to answer your question that that a team member from from another team is going to win the Indy 500. I, I mean, obviously, Ed Carpenter could win it. 
Uh, Renus VK could win it, given the speed that he's had at the racetrack over the years. Ryan hunter Ray at Darian Reinbold would be a really good possibility. Shoot, David Malukas is, is one of those guys that if the situation played out just right, uh, perhaps he could get there. Elio won it two years ago uh, in a Meyer-Shank car. Simon is certainly capable. So there are a few drivers out there. Christian Lungard obviously has been somebody we're talking about. But, you know, the odds are just very, very stacked against those teams if you look at the history of the IndyCar series. So to answer the question, I'd put it at maybe 10% of an opportunity. But chances are it's going to come from Penske, Ganassi, Errol McLaren, and Andretti. If I had to make a choice, and it's only a yes or a no, it's no and no, and a pretty easy choice. Now, that said, I give a better chance at a team winning a race. Because like you say, Christian Lungard could win a race this year. David Malukas could win a race this year. Renus VK, if they get things going, could win a race. I think Simon Pagano could win a race. I have to believe that program is going to be uh, getting stronger as we move forward. Top 10 in the championship is a different story. And I, I chatted with Michael Shank for a little while and just, you know, trying to do a deep dive of, hey, what's going on here? And he brought up a very fair point. So we talk about winning, losing, failing, unacceptable, things like that. Terms are thrown around. But let's look at it from his standpoint or the Ray Hall Letterman standpoint or any of these teams that are not the quote big four. So, you know, the goal is you're thinking, well, if you're not in the top 10, it's not very good or the top 12. Like you just said, what, 14 cars? I think the number gets, no offense to Devlin D. Francesco, but he's not in that category yet. Sure. But there are three other Andretti cars. There are three Penske cars. There are uh, four Ganassi cars to some extent. Now, Marcus Armstrong is not in that same category, but he's proven he is capable of top 10. And then on the ovals, you've got Takuma Sato and all three of the Errol McLaren cars, especially two of them. Felix is still not super consistent running up front. Sometimes it's bad luck, whatever. But that's a lot you got to beat just to be in the top 12. So that's why it's no, none of them are unfortunately this year going to finish in the top 10 in the championship. Alexander well, Rossi has a long way to go just to get in the top 10 of the championship with one of those big three teams. That's right. Rossi's 14th in points. And and honestly, when I came at the question, I was thinking about it strictly in, in terms of the Indianapolis 500. And, you know, you add, you, you add Sato and Kanan to that mix of, of, you know, these four teams as they stand. And Marco Andretti, at Andretti uh, obviously yeah. is is a guy who's going to really could contend in the top three or four, uh, and he has shown that repeatedly. I mean, you're talking about a loaded group among those those four, and and that's this isn't something that's negative. I mean, the other guys we mentioned three or four, or five guys that could win the Indy 500 from one of the smaller teams, or Ray, uh, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, or Ed Carpenter, or Simon, or Elio, but. Uh, you know, so it can be done, but we just have a. This is a. This is a glory period of IndyCar teams in terms of the depth of these teams, and they all have three and four cars. So it's going to be tough. That's what makes it so difficult. One of these teams that's been outside the top twelve can get better, but Penske and Ganassi and Andretti and McLaren are all getting better because they know they have to if they want to compete for the overall championship. So that's what. What makes it really, really challenging? Mike Stoops asks, 
Orr says, at Texas, Townsend Bell commented how it's become a trend that Graham Rahal complains about the car. Um, I, I will trust you for that, Mike. I can't remember what Townsend's exact words are, but we'll go with that. It, it might be perfectly accurate. At what point does the team take a hard look at the driver, Mike asks? I know it's Team Rahal and it's a family business, but it's a racing business, too. His last win was 2017. Well, I, I'll say this, that they're, Graham Rahal is not going to be uninvited at Ray Hall and Lanigan Racing. Maybe you could make the argument that we'd be better served uh, talent and racing-wise. I think that I might argue with that argument, but it, even if you wanted to go down that path, there is a bigger picture involved when you're talking about motorsports. And whether Graham Ray Hall has won a race since 2017 or not, uh, he is hugely valuable to that program. It takes money to run racing teams, and Graham Ray Hall helps with your partnerships because he is awesome outside of the car. And by the way, he always moves forward in the race inside the car. And there's a reason for your people to keep watching. And even if qualifying doesn't go well, you can remind them of the track record that Graham has in moving forward and keep them interested from qualifying on Saturdays, your hosting events up to Sunday. So no, there would be, and, and I would say the same thing, if Graham was on another team and bringing his efforts involved in the program that he's gotten better and better with uh, as the years go on, and those that are new to the sport may not remember, Graham was out of a ride more than a decade ago and started piecing it together on his own with his business acumen that is now playing off. And it's one of the reasons why Bobby will joke that, hey, Graham, uh, you, you were going to be helping running this here in the very near future uh, because he has that type of skill set. Well, I think he sort of helps run it now. I mean, his influence in the program, he's he's a great race car driver, and they're lucky to have him in the car for the reasons you point out, and they're lucky to have him on the business side to attract the sponsors and the partners that they do. And, and hey, think about this, too. I mean, they don't just have sponsors. They've had the same sponsors. You know, they're a fifth third bank. They're, a, you know, go down through the list of their their partners. They have they have stuck with this team. And yeah, no doubt about that. Um, now, we'll get into maybe tomorrow a conversation. I don't know if we're going to have time tonight to deal with Marshall Pruitt's silly season and Graham being as a free agent. So we'll offer some commentary on whether that's realistic or not moving forward. Um, but yeah, definitely from the business side, uh, it's it's Graham. And Patrick Lanigan, who is Mike's son, that are much more involved in the future. Now, Bobby's not going away anytime soon. He's still heavily involved. But, um, you know, Grandma's a bit of a closer. You know, he, he would say, no, I'm, I'm not running things. Somebody else is running things. But he's there when he's needed. And he runs his own businesses. He has That's other it. businesses going on the same time as well. That, that, that was an excellent description. He's the closer. I, I really yeah. believe that. And, and I think he closes deals on his motorcycle business, on his restoration uh, type business. You know, they just built a beautiful facility that's that's in part. I don't, and I don't want to use the word connected, but that complex of Graham's businesses and Courtney's businesses to go along with Rahal Letterman Lanigan. You know, the combination is made for a really nice presentation out there in Zionsville and. You know, it'll continue for years to come. Elevated Racing asks, Marcus Erickson's ascent from where he started a few years ago with Schmidt to where he is now with Ganassi is remarkable. Is there another driver in the modern era who developed into a top contender after an unremarkable start like that? 
So the first thing I thought of when I saw that, I told you about it, and then we debated some other people, but is Alex Pillow. And and I say that from the standpoint, you know, he was a little bit, he obviously showed flashes at Dale Coyne, uh, but a little bit unremarkable. The difference between the two is that Erickson had nearly 100 starts in Formula One. This was not a, this is not just some, some, you know, youngster coming up through the pipeline and started with a small team and, you know, and whatnot, like we've seen with Polo and others. I mean, Erickson was an established on the global scale. And um, so I think the answer to that is Polo, but, you know, everybody has their own story. And then you can look at beyond the 19 season, even with Ganassi in 2020, he was 12th in the championship. So I think that adds into the story. Two starts outside the top 10. This goes back to one of the things that I said. I, I felt like in 20. He was faster than 12th. That was where, remember, that was a new team. So there were some pit stop issues, um, different things going on. He was adjusting to the new team. So I felt like he was better than 12th, but he wasn't fifth at that point. And then in the last two years, he's been a legitimate championship-type contender, and this is year three of that. Uh, I'm curious what other people think. You know, Give us some other examples, and we'll share that on the show tomorrow night of who has been an example, especially if you go two years. Two years where you're kind of meh or out and all of a sudden, oh, not just winning the Indy 500, but you are winning other races and a championship contender. And I think we'll have to leave it for that. Uh, maybe I'll sneak in a couple of more tweets and see what we missed coming up in just a moment. And plenty more on the way. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Hi, just Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. This is Tony Kanan, and you're listening to Trackside. All right, final segment of the program tonight. These hour shows go very, very quickly, and we still have a lot more to cover. Two more hours the rest of the week, though, so we're back. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock and Friday night as well. Maybe a driver guest on tomorrow's show. We'll start sprinkling some in. I'll save more of the tweets that we can discuss tomorrow at Kevin Lee 23 I'll also tease you, we've got some cool announcements coming up for the Prime 47 Burger Bash benefiting the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center that... Uh, I think I've finalized today, but I'll wait until we get everything all done and tell you uh, how we're going to, I, I think, enhance that event a little bit more with some things coming in. Uh, by the way, the VIP tickets, now remember, it's free, but if you want a little extra, meaning free Prime 47 food, uh, free drink from Indie Brew Bus, those are available. There's a link on my Twitter. Here, here's another way you can find things we're doing I don't really have a website, but my racing driver's son does. Go to jacksonleeracing.com. There is a page for the Prime 47 Burger Bash. You can click that. That has the link where if you want to purchase VIP tickets and has more details, it's Monday, May 22nd at the USAC Building and Speedway. And another event I'm helping with is Thursday, May 25th at Silo Auto Club downtown. Really cool place. And we've got a lot more going along with that. Um, Jackson wrote a blog. This is working with another one of his partners, Race for RP. And I need to post that to his website. So I will do that right now. So that should be up in just a matter of moments. And there is a link to buy tickets. And that is 
that that is only VIP tickets. They're one hundred fifty dollars each, and and there's a lot going on with that evening with some uh, guaranteed guests. Clayton Anderson is going to be playing, and a lot more. So all that's at JacksonLeeRacing.com. Meanwhile, I've run over time. It's time now for Jake Query and Mike Thompson. Beyond the Bricks is next. Thanks to Eddie Garrison for Kurt. I'm Kevin. It's ninety three five one zero seven five. The Fan.